whimsical, so unpredictable Here on the SNL Network Yes, welcome on in everybody and happy Halloween from everybody at the Saturday Night Network. My name is John from the SNN. Welcome to our Nate Bargetzi and Foo Fighters SNL Roundtable here on this Monday night where we are here to break down all of the best sketches and moments from the show this past weekend. And I am so excited to talk about this one even more on a second watch. It was really as good as it gets when it comes to SNL, some top tier stuff here that the show produced to wrap up their first run of the season. And I'm so excited to talk to these three folks that are with us on this Monday night. And first up, welcome back to the podcast. My man, Sean Grant is here. Sean, how you doing, buddy? Man, I'm feeling good, John. Thank you for having me back, man. You know, um, I watched the hot takes. Hey, look, man, you're going to have some dissidents up in here. That's why you paid me. That's why I'm the highest paid um, analyst here at the SNN Network, because I don't say what you what you want me to say, man. I'm coming here to keep it real, brother. Okay? I think I'm the highest paid. I, I, well, I don't get paid nothing, but I think that's... Well, we'll see after tonight, paid. Sean. You, be- you better earn your money tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do it, baby. It's going right, to be provocative. Well- I can't wait. Very excited to have you back on the show, buddy. And uh, joining us. Oh, this us is at- a prisoner uniform, by the way. If, if, sorry, my belt was out. But yeah, yeah, it's very. Da- it was. It would I- be very dangerous waters for me to ask you if that was a prison uniform before. You were going to guess <laughs> Ghostbusters because you white. You were scared to ask if I was a convict. Yes. No. I'm playing a prisoner. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. I'm going for Halloween. Some Halloween spirit around here. The show had no Halloween spirit. <laughs> It had no Halloween spirit. Just one couple lines from Christopher Walken. That ain't gonna cut it for me. That wasn't off the fly. I don't like that. Go ahead, guys. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. You're good. You're good, man. This is the type of energy we need tonight as we're breaking down everything as we head towards our first break of the SNL season. And joining us as well tonight is the one, the only, Sammy K in the house. Sammy, how you doing? John, I'm I'm doing well. And you know, honestly, uh, Sean, I thought you were dressed up as uh, Papa Pumpkin. Uh, so that was my guess as far as what your, your costume, uh, tonight was going to be, but no, I'm, I'm super excited to be here for this episode, first round table of the season. And, uh, we have a, a good one to discuss. So excited to get into it. Absolutely. And last but not least is the great Zoe Walker here with us tonight on this Monday. Zoe, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm excited to be here. I thought it was a great show. And he can't be Papa Pumpkin because Papa Pumpkin is intellectual property. He would oh, be, um, yes. it's like now, against now the he strike. Is. Now he is. Right. <laughs> 100%. Of course, uh, you know, as the great Christopher Walken would say, you can't spell Halloween without hello. Well, hello, everybody. Excited to break this down with all of you. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. Let's talk about the decision to book. Nate Bargetzi, which was like a, a little bit like uh, who? Like, sorry again for all of you stand-up folks who may not have known him as well. But uh, Sean, I, I'll, I'll just put it out there: like in the SNL community, this was like a big, uh, like a big question mark coming into this because we're used what? to these like former cast members, uh, musicians, high-profile actors. When there's no SAG strike, like in comes the stand-up comic um, that is is pretty much I, I understand a very big deal in the stand-up community but was not on the radar for a lot of SNL fans to host SNL. And, um, you know, SNL decides to go in this direction. And it's, to me, the first time since Gerard Carmichael did it in 47, where it was like, we're just going to go with the pure stand-up comic and see how they do on the show. 
And I think they hit a home run with Nate, but was that your expectation when you heard that he was going to host the show? And, and based on your background, what's your familiarity with Nate? Well, I know Nate to be one of the best storytelling comedians probably in our, in this turn of the, I want to say this turn of the century. That sounds so crazy, but he's a very he from the 1900s. comedic storyteller. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But to say the best, like, you know, I just, I have to consider Kevin. Kevin Hart gets watered down because he's so popular uh, with his, you know, the bits and stories that you can, but Nate Bergazzi has so many viral stories. He packs theaters all throughout the country, which is a very hard for a comic to do. He's a pure comic. No offense to Gerard. I know you mentioned Gerard in the category of pure comics, but Gerard is, you know, a, I love Gerard. Very nice guy. Industry baby, right? Got a TV show, all this type of stuff. Uh, in fact, I think he had a TV show before he hosted SNL, if I'm not mistaken. He had the Carmichael show um, and all this. But Nate, pure road dog, man. Got it out the mud. Right. I don't know about his financial background, but just somebody that came up telling, you know, just doing his bitch, refining his his style. And I love how he brought that audience into his style. So for the same reason, I don't think that the that the, for the critiques that I'll have of the episode are a lot to do with maybe that I already knew Nate's style. And I feel like they had this kind of etched out for his abilities early on. And kind of ignored the whole, um, you know, the 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 Halloween stuff. You know, it didn't seem like it was flying off the seat of their pants. It didn't seem like they just met Nate. I think everybody on that writing staff knew Nate. I think everybody knows Nate and knows his style. So that's probably why it seems so amazing to you guys. Because I just, but I just know he can handle those sketches and that he they wrote for him really well. And um, the escalation. Similar to his storytelling style, you can see it from his monologue. But yeah, I thought it was a great pickup, and I'm glad you guys are introduced to Nate. Definitely, Sammy. Uh, you know, we we broke down the news that we found out that Pete Davidson and Bad Bunny were going to host the show, and we didn't have the Nate news at the time. But had we gotten it then, what would you have said in terms of your excitement about seeing a guy like Nate Pargetsi host the show? Well, I would have honestly, honestly, been very surprised to hear his name. And you know, there's a lot of times. Um, you know, since we started this podcast where, um, you know, there's been, you know, a sports star like Travis Kelsey who gets announced as host. And I'm like, you know, not a huge sports Definitely. guy. Like, Nobody knows know. who Travis Kelsey is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, back, back then. I mean, no, no one knew. But uh, no. And, uh, you know, there's examples of where, you know, I see a name and, and I, I haven't heard of them, but it's kind of rare. Uh, Nate Bargetsy was one of those names, uh, even though I am a big fan of, you know, comedy and stand-up comedy. Uh, but then I, you know, I looked up his picture. I actually, uh, turns out I saw him uh, a couple years ago at the Laugh Factory back in 2019, and he was super funny. So I knew that, you know, obviously as a stand-up comedian, like he is funny. Uh, you know, he, he tells jokes for a living, but, you know, how is that going to translate over to SNL? Um, and, you know, I, I think it worked out really well. Like, it's such, it was such an unconventional choice. Um, you know, and I feel like we, we kind of theorized, you know, maybe this had to do with the SAG strike. I don't know if that's exactly the case. Cause obviously we see Timothy Chalamet is going to be hosting next week, but you know, I think two weeks, you know, or into, in, you know, the next episode that we have coming up. But, um, you know, I kind I went into the show with, you know, not a ton of expectations, but expected him to kind of bring his brand of humor. And I think he, like you said, like delivered a home run and, you know, I was, uh, you know, very pleasantly surprised that, you know, this turned out to be a, a great episode. Zoe, what about you? Uh, we spoke in the pre-show just a little bit about the types of people who might know who Nate Bargetsy is. So why don't you, why don't you tell the listeners your thoughts on him hosting the show? 
Um, well, I had never seen his face or heard his name, but I consulted with my brothers as I was doing some research and they're guys in their mid thirties and they're huge fans and they were so stuck. So they were like, you get to talk about the Nate show. And oh, I was like, was oh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Um, so I did some research. I watched some of his stand up. Um, I saw he was kind of a mellow guy, lots of dry humor, not a lot of physicality. So I was interested to see how that played out in the show and if he was going to be up for the challenge. Yeah, I think he was up for the challenge. And you know, this is the thing, Sean, I really just want to ask you about this. It's just such a privilege to have you here. I'd love to know, like, stand up comics hosting the show like this goes back all the way to 1975. Like George Carlin was the first person to ever host SNL. And it was like, so cool to see he did like four stand up monologues. So this is ingrained in the DNA of the show. But we don't get it that often. And I do find like every time we do, there's this like energy that they bring to the show. I don't know if it has to be every week, but I would love to see this more. And I would just love for you to sort of explain to the listeners with you yourself being a stand up comic, like why the fit works so well with a show like Saturday Night Live, where, you know, sketch comedy and stand up comics, they don't always work. But like when it works, it really works. So do you have a theory on that? When you start stand-up comedy, you pick up the Comedy Bible by Judy Carter. And the second thing you do is you dream about the day that you're going to be the next Eddie Murphy or the next Chris Rock or the next Adam Sandler or whoever it is that gets their career blown up by something like uh, like SNL. You think about SNL your whole career. Every joke you write, every time you write for somebody, every club you do, you're thinking maybe Lauren Michaels is sitting there. Or whoever the casting director is, you don't know stuff. You don't know anything when you start comedy. You think Lauren Michaels comes to comedy clubs, and or you, you you're preparing for JFL, which is the way you get to SNL, right? Just for laughs is how Heidi Gardner, a lot of people, Punky. I saw I I my Just for Laughs new faces was the same year as Punky, and the next year she got on SNL. I did my first uh, Don't Tell taping with Michael Longfellow. He got on SNL the next year. These people are getting on SNL because of me. I'm the, <laughs> and I'm the reason why. But no, honestly, like you write the whole the, the whole time you're doing this, you're, you're pursuing this career. That's one of your goals. So I'm sure Nate, probably 20 years in the game easily, has, you know, always had this somewhere on his mind. And I'm not saying that, you know, the, the sketches, he brought them to the show, but he definitely knew how to, and they knew how to infuse his energy into the the uh the sketches and i think that was very apparent so i'm glad you guys enjoyed it sammy what about you like any stand-up comics that have previously hosted the show that really stood out to you as like feeling like oh these are great episodes of snl because they brought on the stand-up Ooh, that's a good question i mean obviously you know the the Mulaney hosted episodes from the past couple of years have been you know really great standout episodes and you know he has that you know connection with the show but um you know, I, I, I think, you know, when SNL is able to kind of give them uh, that time to kind of just, you know, go up there and do like an actual monologue, like just doing like jokes from their set. Like, I think, you know, a, a lot of times the host, you know, depending on who the host is, the monologue, you know, they're going to have, you know, cast members try to kind of prop them up or, you know, get them involved to, you know, try to, you know, get through that point in the show. And maybe it's not always successful, but um, with a, you know, a standup host, they can just kind of, you know, I, I, my, my favorite thing with a standup host SNL, and I feel like they, you know, at least in recent years have been doing that a lot is where, 
they like kind of hand them the mic right as they're about to start you know like they, they did that with nate and they kind of like hand him like the, the mic that he can kind of walk around and do um and you know they're immediately like comfortable um because that's kind of their you know preferred method of you know comedy and kind of what they're best trained to do so uh, i know that wasn't like the original question but that that's what i like to see you know from you know stand-ups uh you know on the show and, and i want to say add on to samuel before zoe goes like just that that is a weird thing to talk when you don't have a mic in your hand like you're so trained i auditioned one time for some step show i was supposed to host a step show in college and i've been doing comedy for two years i had to hold a brush in my hand because it felt so weird just to talk to a room full of people it was just a room full of cappers and and you know they want were auditioning me to host this show but yeah you just need something in your hand it's weird like you know even those guys that do with the headpiece i'm like how do you do that if you come from stand-up it's such a hard transition so anyway yeah good observation about you sam yeah so i i have a theory as well but i would love to get your thoughts about stand-up comics in general hosting snl any strong memories for you and reasons why they stand out the only two that I come that come to my mind right now are Amy Schumer and um, John Mulaney. Like I don't know why I'm blanking. Um, I don't always love Amy Schumer in general, um, so those weren't always my favorite episodes. But I like ride hard for a John Mulaney episode. Yeah, for sure. So here's here's my theory, and this may only speak to me. I'm curious if this speaks to other people, but. I, I love and respect stand-up comics so much. I so enjoy going to watch you guys perform. It's just incredible stuff. And like the the balls like to go out there in front of a crowd and just like just do a set. Just so, so much respect. And I find like when I go watch stand-ups or stand-ups perform, like I'm so, sometimes I'm like the harshest critic, not by choice, but I'm just like waiting for for something to make me think in a way that I didn't normally think of something you know what I'm saying like like just just change my perspective on a situation and then the thing that always ends up getting me is any time a stand-up comic breaks format and starts doing like crowd work or they go off in a direction that wasn't exactly planned like I am the biggest sucker for stuff like that like I love improv I love whose line is it anyway I love it when stand-up comics just get out of their regular format that to me is like I'm a sucker for all of that and I think that's why I love stand-ups on SNL because yes like we'll get the monologue but we also get to see you like stretch yourself in ways that you don't normally get to do and it just makes me so much like it, it makes when you do the stand-up set so much funnier because like now i know that you're not just like telling me jokes but you also i can like see you produce the jokes does that make sense sean what i'm saying absolutely i mean you know and i and i get why it would seem that way but even and, and respect the guys who are i like to do improv and i even you know sometimes when you're hosting you definitely have to get them in rhythm by you know letting the crowd know you're there and you're present with them uh, but even when a stand-up's just doing their bits and stuff it stand-up's very interesting because the audience is the instrument that you're playing um it's sid caesar that said this in his book that stand-up is music and the instrument is the audience so every night is absolutely different any great stand-up is breathing you're literally breathing your joke into the audience and receiving something back now comedians know how to gauge that like last per minute audience applause breaks right to me that's the most magical thing in all of entertainment the fact that you can get a bunch of people to laugh and clap at the same time without an applause sign 
without the song being over. It's not like, oh, we know the song is over, the poem is over. Now we all start clapping. Literally to make them laugh so hard that they all create, there's an osmosis that's in the room. And comedians who, especially who've been doing it for as long as Nate, and and for you know know how to breathe into so i get that it can look like maybe they're doing the same thing over and over again or just telling the same bits but trust me every night and we go back and analyze each other like because if you watch a guy over and over again you're like oh you ate shit tonight and you a new person might not have noticed like an audience member might not have been like oh that looked seemed fine to me like he was just telling his jokes and i enjoyed them but we know how to read the audience and go that's not hitting same way when you watch a desk piece you can kind of tell when something's not hitting because of the way you're used to hearing it in the SNL format, right? You can hear that. But like every club, you know, some are bigger, some are whatever, smaller. And you know when somebody should be hitting a certain level. So comedians are used to adjusting to that. Um, not saying that it makes it easy. So, you know, if I ever do it, please don't judge me harshly because I said, but no, they're very. Oh, we will judge you so harshly, Sean, if you ever do SNL. It'll be the best week ever on the podcast. (laughs) So I look forward to it. (laughs) But yeah, I think Nate's built for that. 100%. All right, let's get into the episode from this week, and we'll kick things off with our discussion of this week's cold open and huge surprise out the gate where we're going to get not James Austin Johnson as President Joe Biden, but this time we're going to get Mikey Day. Your old boy Joe's going to climb a ladder. (laughs) Here you go, Joe. Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Crazy stuff from uh, Mikey Day, who was just having an amazing end of his career. I don't want to say end of his career. I would say like renaissance to his career. I think that's what I said on Saturday. It just continues to like impress me that he's been given this role now. Um, And the decision to give it to him was fascinating because we know they're thinking about that 2024 election and the expectation that Biden will be the presumptive Democratic nominee again. And then JJ will be playing Trump. So they don't want to do the Dana Carvey thing. They want to have two people going at it with each other. And, uh, but you know, what if Biden is reelected? Does that mean Mikey Day sticking around for four more years? So many things to think about, or just maybe they're just not committed to having somebody play the president for an entire term. I mean, these are, these are interesting thoughts. In addition to that, we get an absolute legend walk into the building this week with Christopher Walken, who, if you have not gone back and seen him host the show, has hosted the show for eight times starting in 1990. And every one of his episodes hits like he just is just to me, one of the most unique shows uh, hosts in the show's history. And one that I honestly never thought we would see on Saturday Night Live again. And it was just every moment of it was fascinating. So, um, Sammy, just would love to know from you, just uh, SNL, you love the show. To me, that's one of the better cold opens we've seen in modern times. Did you feel the same way? Oh, uh, absolutely. I really enjoyed this cold open for many reasons. I, I was spoiled by the Mikey as Biden, um, you know, impression on Twitter because I unfortunately was not watching the show live this week. But, you know, I thought I, I like JJ's Biden. I think I, you know, I think we all like his Trump better than his Biden. So, you know, if I were to pick for him to stick with one or the other, obviously I'd rather him play Trump. And I thought Mikey's Biden was like solid. Like, I don't think it's like blowing me out of the water. I feel like we've all, you know, discussed in the past that like Mikey's not like known as like this crazy you know, amazing, you know, impressionist, but like it is a solid 
impression. And I, and I feel like we've had so many different Bidens over the last couple of years, especially on the show that, you know, I personally just want to see, you know, them kind of stick with something and, and let them kind of grow this character. I don't want to just kind of judge, you know, it based off this, this one sketch, because, you know, I, I think he should get the opportunity to kind of develop it more. But, um, you know, I, I like they kind of played into more of the, the age, uh, you know, the old age aspects of Biden, you know, you know, the squinty eyes and him, you know, everything he was doing with the lather was, was really fun. And in general, um, I just enjoyed that this kind of setting for the cold open felt very kind of classic, like late 80s, early 90s sort of SNL to where it's like, it's just in the Oval Office. It happens to be Halloween. So, you know, the set's all done, uh, you know, with the Halloween decorations and you're having people kind of pop in. And I really like Mike, uh, Michael Longfellow in the sketch. He kind of takes this Mike Johnson role, which is really just thrown in there because it's like in John Mikeson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's just kind of thrown in there because it's in the news and he, he like makes a meal out of it. He like really everything with his delivery as like, I'm Mike Johnson, like is, is so funny. Um, the stuff he did with Devin was great. And then yeah, Chris, Christopher Walken as kind of just like the cherry on top. Like I, th- I think if I were to nitpick this sketch a little bit, it's like, those are very two distinct kind of separate things they're trying to cram into this one cold open and it you know it kind of you know has a, a longer runtime towards the end i think it ends up being you know a l- little longer than seven minutes so if i'm nitpicking you know maybe like you know be more focused but i like both parts you know equally and i want to get rid of you know either one and you know being able to see christopher walken again just like utilizes time on snl during the cold open you know he like made every line just like he just made the most of everything. And like, that's honestly one of the most iconic, like live from New York delivery deliveries we've had in like the modern era. So uh, all in all, just like very happy and, you know, satisfied with this cold open. Yeah. A hundred percent. I love it when he was like, it's about camaraderie really. <laughs> so, so good. Okay. So I have a question for you. I don't know if you looked this up or not, but if you, if you didn't, when was the last time JAJ played Biden? Do you remember? You asking me? Um, no, I'm asking Zoe. I'm asking Zoe because right? uh, I, I think you might know this. <laughs> no, I don't know that. Okay, Wait, it, it, believe it or not, the last time he played Biden was in the Amy Schumer episode, like almost a year ago. So, like, it feels wow. like he was doing it for so long, and it's been so recent. But he actually hasn't done Biden in like a year. So it's almost like he wanted, like maybe when we thought, okay, like they didn't know how to write it or they weren't sure how to incorporate it. Like maybe he just didn't want to do it anymore. And that's, that's a possibility. So something to think about there, but Zoe would love to know your thoughts on this cold open and everything that came into it. So I usually don't like a political cold open, um, but I could have watched seven minutes, seven hours of Mikey Day on the ladder as Joe Biden. I thought it was hilarious. Um, and the putting up the bats, I thought it was so funny. Um, I was excited for Michael Longfellow coming in um, and having his moment. And I thought it was fun to see him play Devin's father. And I definitely had to Google his adult black son because I was like, is this real? <laughs> like, what does this mean? Um, and then I thought like Christopher Watkins as a, a Papa Pumpkin was spooky in the best way. So I thought it was a lot of fun. 
Sean, what did you think of the cold open and having walk in there and the, uh, and the impression that we got, the impression changed? What do you think? Walken knows what he's doing. He knows his voice and how to use it. Um, and Sammy, I, I, I don't want to be uh, – I guess I do want to be confrontational, man. I play in a convict. Look here, man. If you're going to cut something, you saying it's a little long in the tooth. I know you ain't thinking about cutting my boy Michael Longfellow. In fact, no. I wanted more Michael Longfellow. No, 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 absolutely not. This is a, a pro Mikey Long's podcast and podcaster. Okay. So no okay. way. Because I know Mama Longfellow watches. Hi, Mama Longfellow. Love you. Okay. Out there in Arizona, Phoenix doing your thing, staying cool. Okay. Now, listen to me. That was a pretty, that was a good cold open. I think they could have did a little more with that ladder. Um, I think they could have shook it up a little more. That would have been fun. Maybe the whole game. I mean, I get it's a lot, so you're going to want to get hurt. Or anything crazy like that, but you know, have some max down. Uh, but but yeah, Mikey Day's thing is um, you know, like you said, just being funny and, and it's not sharp on the impression. Uh, JAJ suffers from uh, LeBron syndrome. He's so great at certain things that it's hard to you know. Of course, his his body his body's probably better than everybody else's, but compare you're comparing him to himself, and he's so great. Uh, Horrible analogy. Sorry. Just got to say that. That is, hey. that is not a one for one. <laughs> just, what are you talking you. about? Who's no, not Ke- LeBron? Michael Longfellow or, or Mikey Day? Mikey Day. Ke- Keenan is the LeBron here they were talking about. Just pure okay, longevity okay. that everybody just doesn't Uh-oh. appreciate him enough. Fair but, enough. All but, right. Yeah. Yeah. All like, right. But, but yes. Oh, you're saying J.A.J. isn't? You know I'm a big old, You know I love me some J.A.J. Come yeah, on, I'm saying like JJ yeah, is like the up and comer yeah. who's like finding his way on the show, and then he decides to make like this is like I don't know whether it's his decision or the show decision, but like this is a career pivot. For it him. Ain't like his decision. What you talking about? His decision to to cut his to cut lines? <laughs> Hell no! Ain't nobody making that decision. Like oh, let's. Well, geez. then it's a knock, right? No, I'm sorry, I mean, if I it's can't no, no, but you're good. You're good because it's like if it's not his choice and he wants to be, and again, like only he can talk about this or the producers of the show can talk about this, but we're just, this is what we do here. We speculate sometimes. Like if it wasn't his choice and he wanted to do it, then why did, why was it taken away from him? Like why did the show make this choice? Mm. So th- these are things to think about, right? I was just going to say, you know, I think, you know, the reason, if we're looking for a reason as to why is kind of like what you said, you know, when you introduce this is to where they're looking ahead at the 2024 election and they kind of had to decide at a certain point that, you know, we're not going to have, you know, the, you know, JJ versus yeah. JJ, you know, situation, the debates, if that's how the election is going to look like. And, you know, and I guess that is also a JJ choice as well, but yeah. I, I don't believe that. I believe I, I did hear you say that John on the hot take show uh, that, it, that it could be to set that up um to set up the debates but yeah no way um do i believe that and i do feel like they put a little stronghold on my man like like i didn't see enough jaj throughout the show man there's some i mean he, he played a bit role in that uh the washington sketch and you know sometimes they maybe he was getting a little too big you know big in the britches you know maybe somebody back there wants to humble him i don't know what it is man but they play these types of games in hollywood you know uh just to make sure that you don't get bigger than the show so uh, I don't, I don't know. I made that up, and I don't. It's not based on any fact. But no, but I'll, I'll put up my theory because you did yours, and I'll say my theory is is that SNL doesn't need to pick the right Biden. They don't really care whether the Biden is the right one or not. It's like whoever's playing Biden, but they really care about who's playing Trump. 
Because if they take away the Trump impression from JHA and give that to somebody else, that's a problem because the, because the first time in a long time, they actually have somebody who like people can maybe stand playing this guy and they can't take that away. So I think it was like, if SNL is going to look forward and be like, one of these things has to go, it's a no brainer at that point. So that, that's my theory on it. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into the show itself. We'll talk about some sketches we really want to break down from this week. And I know, Sean, you are very hot on Chef Showdown. So tell the listeners why you're excited to talk about it. Oh, man. I mean, Chef Showdown was was a very well-written sketch. I, I know you sent the notes, sorry. I forgot the names of the writers. But it was um, – there's a theory in comedy that the punchline – um, in fact, I stole this from a young man. Gosh, I forgot his Jared Volkenstein, something like that. But he has a YouTube channel. He breaks down comedy and timing. Very fun YouTube channel. Doesn't have enough subscribers. But we ain't here for that because we need more subscribers here. Don't go nowhere else. Stay right here on the SNL uh, podcast network. But what I'm saying is um, there's something about the formula of a joke when you know what the punchline is going to be that makes it funnier. For whatever reason, he analyzes jokes. And even though you can predict the punchline a lot of times or predict where the game is going on the reveal, right? Obviously, we knew Nate was going to have made that plate. Uh, otherwise, there is absolutely no joke. The sketch, nothing could happen unless that, you know, but you anticipate the reveal and the reactions. And he played it up well, barely said anything. I think he only said, yeah, uh, sorry. And I think he only said like two different lines, two variations of sorry. Yeah, Sean, he says uh, he, he says this. I'll play it for the listeners. Yes, I'm sorry. Constantly. <laughs> <laughs> God, that was his only line. Uh, but yes, yeah, such good writing, such good. And it's still escalated somehow with the, the sous chefs coming in. And you're like, it's still the same joke. <laughs> it's like, okay, um, you know, black guys uh, uh, and the white, you know. Um, and I did see a lot of this throughout the show. Like some of that was, you know, the, um, because, you know, race is easy, not easy, but we, there's a stereotype involved with the cooking and all that that they're playing off of. Um, so, yeah, they did a good job playing it, but, but in a fun way, in a fun way that's fun for everybody, obviously. Um, and, yeah, man, I thought it was, uh, got the, what was the button again? Damn it. The button was, um, uh, oh, yeah, that he was going to the, the Essence Fest and all that stuff. So great. I thought it was such such a wonderful escalation. Great button. Perfect sketch, especially way great way to start the show too. Mm. Yeah, and he gets the jacket to like Howard University, and he's like, uh, "Wow, no, no, thank you." <laughs> just like, <laughs> <laughs> but he said, "I'm honored though," which is very. So you got to make sure because it's a tightrope that he was walking. So yeah, was yeah, yeah. He said, "I'm honored," but no, 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 no. <laughs> so funny, man. I I do like look look. Uh, race jokes are always uh, like really interesting. It's like you're walking that tightrope trying to figure out like okay, is this just going to be so predictable and obvious? And it was so like purposely obvious for so long that it it could have gone in a direction where it was like the the punchlines didn't hit. But I just think this like was so like especially like I think Keenan and Punky were really really great in this as well as judges like, being so charismatic. Uh, Keenan, I think, was having a lot of fun with this. To me, this was like a great sketch. And I also sometimes in, in this uh, on this podcast, we we criticize like the sketch placement, but like this was so well placed for me too to kick off the night. There was a lot of really great things about this sketch. Zoe, I would love to know your thoughts on the Chef Showdown sketch we got. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. Um, 
I liked I like almost appreciate how Nate barely had any lines because it was like an able it was able to ease us into him um, and let him get comfortable and feel the audience. Um, I uh, I thought Keenan carried. I know that's expected at this point, but I was really laughing. I was like, wait, this Keenan guy is really funny. Um, I thought it was really great. Um, and then the soul food, I really thought that Nate's Hop and John. Um, looked delicious. And I, I couldn't cook. My plate would probably be the deconstructed black eyed peas. Um, and it would be disgusting because I can't cook soul food, but I really appreciated um, just the culture and the comedy of it. And who was that woman? Who was she? Should I okay, know so who the uh, lady was? Lashmi. <laughs> yeah, I believe she's on the food net. Uh, she like hosted chopped maybe for a long time. Is that what it was? Uh, I'll double check on that. But um well, I check on that. Zoe, you said uh, it was the Hoppin' John. Is that what it's called? Yes. Okay. Yes. What is that for anybody who may or may not know? Okay. So it's rice, um, black eyed peas, bacon, onions. Um, it's the traditional meal that um, lots of black people would eat on like New Year's Day. And Sean, cool. if you want to add anything to that, do you like Hoppin' John? You know what? No, I'm, my <laughs> people are Jamaican, so we eat like curry gold and jerk chicken and stuff like that. But I've mm-hmm. done so I'm being educated too. I didn't know about that. But so that's kind of oh, yeah. I think there's soup jumu is like for Haitian people. They eat like soup or some type of thing on uh New Year's as well. Like so there's different mm-hmm. traditions of but it's for good luck, huh? Yeah. Right? Yeah, and it's oh, called Hoppin' John because it keeps John hopping to the pot. Oh damn. Yep. You know, you know I like that pot. John Schneider to that pot, baby. <laughs> that's me big pot guy um yeah just to correct myself uh padma uh, hosted top chef from 2006 to 2023 so very popular there um sammy what did you think of chef showdown well, all this talk of food is just getting me hungry but uh no i i really enjoyed hop on uh, over chef, yeah, hop on over uh i really enjoyed chef showdown uh I I enjoyed how this like very much captured like the exact demeanor from all these like celebrity hosted like cooking and reality shows like so well like you know the 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 way that Keenan and Punky both play the judges is like exactly like the type of like very self-serious demeanor that they that they have when they're you know judging uh in these competition shows um just really exciting to see this momentum that punky's been building after you know last week going into this week you know she's had she had you know two great appearances in this episode um you know and last week we got to see her kind of stand out character work and this one you know seeing her kind of as a utility player um kind of bring back those vibes of like her and that lisa from temecula sketch from last season uh, I thought she was great in the sketch. And yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with everybody what they said about the use of Nate here. Um, just with, you know, such little lines of dialogue, his delivery, you can tell as a stand up, you know, that's like the type of, you know, skill that you have when you have a stand up as the host of your show. Somebody who can kind of, you know, find that pocket and just like, you know, make a, you know, a little bit out of, or make a lot out of, you know, a little bit of line. So um, even though, like, it was incredibly obvious where this was going, which, again, like, that was the point. Uh, you know, they weren't trying to reinvent the wheel or, you know, make some crazy, you know, sort of, you know, last-minute reveal at the end. Um, I found this to be very funny. And then uh, got to shout out Mikey, who had a great night 
with you know five appearances throughout the episode. <laughs> His delivery of "I made the collards" was so funny to me, like quintessential, you know, white Mikey white guy line. So uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, and he, Mikey helped write this, by the way. So he was like, just he's having an amazing, amazing season forty nine to kick things off, leading the cast and sketch appearances. I'm sure the guys um, and uh, and Victoria and, and Mike they'll talk about on Wednesday with by the numbers just how good Mikey's been so far. But uh, really, just this was such a fun sketch, and I think like got to double down on Keenan Thompson flipping over that plate, which I don't know if he did that address or not. But uh, Heidi's reaction to the plate flipping was so good. <laughs> it was just everything about this was really fun, an amazing and kick off to the night so uh that was a great start and then let's head over to uh to zoe next who will tell us about the sketch that she wants to talk about okay i want to talk about um washington's dream um uh this sketch opens with uh jj keenan mikey bowen um and they're all talking about they're Revolutionary War soldiers, and they're all talking about war. Um, and then Nate comes in as George Washington, and he starts talking about what it'll be like when they win and they create can create their own um, rules and everything. And it starts poking fun on the American uh, measurement system. Um, and it continues with that. And Keenan starts to say, but what about the slaves? Will we all be free? And Nate continues to shut him down because he's more um, his highest priority is the uh, the liberation of our measurement system. I thought this was hilarious. I thought it was a great use of the host. Um, it felt like a stand-up bit, like directly translated into a sketch. And so I appreciated how comfortable and confident that Nate was able to be. It matched his dry humor. So I just thought it was a great use of him as a host um, for this for this episode. Yeah, you mentioned this, Zoe, which uh, to me was just, Keenan was really good in this as well, but here we go. And the slaves, sir, what of them? You asked about the temperature. I did not. <laughs> just how, how stoic uh, Nate is throughout this really made the sketch. Like, I, you're so right, Zoe. Like, this was a stand-up joke, and it was stretched out into a sketch, and it was so, so well done. A lot of people are calling this the best sketch of the season so far. Some people are saying this is the best sketch on SNL in years, and... Uh, I don't know how much hyperbole we can give it, but I'd say that this was a win all the way around. Like there was not one bad joke in this and it was just so, so strong. Sean, as a stand up yourself, you must have loved this bit. Yeah, oh yeah, Zoe, that was a great observation. Yeah, it definitely seemed like the 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 flow of a stand up bit translated to sketch. And I love that um, you know, uh, the like Keenan, you know, this the undertone, because that's not where it was going, but obviously and it has a big factual, the first ever, I don't know if anybody knows this, the first death, it wasn't American Revolution technically, but the first person to die uh in the was it, the Boston uh, the only person to get shot was Christmas Addicts. So the first person to die in defense of, of America was a black man in Christmas Addicts. Uh, so there were black people fighting on both. That's factually correct, uh, histor historically correct, that there were black people fighting on the American side in the American Revolution. And I believe also on the British side. Uh, but whatever. Anyway, point being, yes, that was super great. It was, it was, it was absolutely using the, the, again, I think the race thing that was used, I don't think anybody's going to talk about the other sketch with Punky with the, the murderer or whatever. But they were forcing that in there, right? Punky going, white people crazy. Like, but there was that, you know, they were using that a little bit in that sketch, and that felt forced. This is obviously a good 
you know, changing direction a little bit for from the metric system joke that was becoming obvious in escalation. Because really the joke became about the tension between what he's asking and that he's continuing this metric system bit. So that's so great to to use that uh, to build the tension even more, to escalate the game as opposed to – because the game becomes flat. If we don't have that, then all he's doing is talking about the – it's just a metric system joke. There's nothing there. Uh, but this is very good use of a very creative use of racial undertones. And, um, yeah, just wonderfully done. And, obviously, to play a charismatic George Washington – black people hate George Washington. He's a, a horrible slave master, <laughs> like just a wretched man um, from Virginia. But yeah, like certain people, him uh, can play a slave master. Nate Bergazzi can play a, a very charismatic slave master. Leonardo DiCaprio, another person, very charismatic slave master. So you can just enjoy, you know, the humor after that, not be thinking about the actual character that they're playing. And I think they did a wonderful job in that sketch. And sketch of the year, why not? Uh, well, yeah, sure. I agree with what you said there. Yeah, like I, I think this sketch really, really works because you mentioned the game of the sketch, and it's really just following. You know, it, we get we get it right away. We get told like, okay, we're going down the path of they're going to build this new country, and they're going to talk about um, choose our own systems of weights and measures. And really, the weights and measures jokes just keep running throughout the thing. But you have the side plot of the Keenan stuff happening there. So it's like the B plot is the Keenan stuff. And the A plot is all the jokes about the systems and measurements. And I, I think that that makes the sketch so much better as opposed to just if they pick one of those two paths here. They were able to, to balance both and make it really work in the writing. So Sammy, what did you think of Washington's dream? Yeah, just like a really well-written piece. Um, I think I saw on Twitter, OG SNL, uh, you know, writer, uh, Alan Zweibel, like praised it, which is, you know, very cool to see. Um, and I just felt that, you know, the music, the costumes, the set, I, I know I said earlier that the cold open really, something about that White House set really reminded me of classic SNL, but this sort of thing felt like a, you know, sort of a classic SNL sketch it feels like a sketch that can kind of fit in you know a couple different eras of the show um i think it's you know the perfect use of a, a stand-up host to kind of you know translate something that could easily be a stand-up bit into a sketch and kind of elevate it with the music and, and everything like that um and you know these are you know they basically took a, a concept and they, they did everything they could have done with this like they didn't leave anything on the table they didn't you know, you know, go, you know, way too far, or, you know, not, not go too far, but, you know, let this drag on. I feel like they used every part of the Buffalo. They kind of tackled everything you could with this sort of concept. And I thought it was just excellent. So, um, definitely one of the best sketches of the season or probably the best sketch of the season. Uh, one of the best sketches we've had in, you know, a couple of years, probably since we, uh, started podcasting so i'm not gonna say it's my number one but as far as just like a well-crafted sketch it's like certainly up there look it depends what you look for from the show like sometimes there's just like a sketch goes off in a direction you totally didn't expect and that could give you like a really hard laugh or there could be more physical things that make you laugh so it's hard to say what really the best sketch is but i just think that in terms of just this being 
grounded in really great writing. This is, has to be one of the best of the best in modern times. And I just got a shout out. I mean, Streeter put this on Twitter. Uh, Streeter Seidel said, been sitting on this one for a while. Thanks to August White for helping and uh, and my boy Mikey Funtime as a writer as well. So that's Mikey Day. So Mikey and Streeter just having an incredible episode, incredible start to the season. And like, Streeter, if you've been sitting on this one for a while, man, like I can't wait to see what else you're going to do this season because I just find like, the two of them have gotten so creative. We talked about this a lot towards the end of last season. Just like there, there is, it's, it's becoming more difficult now to nail down like, oh, this is Mikey and Streeter for sure. And like figuring out that format where for a few seasons it was like, okay, we know the role that Mikey's going to play in a sketch and it feels very much like a Mikey sketch. But now it's like some of the best work we're getting over the last few years has been coming from the two of them. And I, I'm really just so impressed. And I mentioned this on Saturday, but like, again, as a Canadian, this whole thing just spoke to me so much because I do not understand any of your systems and I have to consistently translate everything for people and talk about the difference in degrees and measurements and all this stuff. And I'm like, why, why? We just, we're, we're right, we're right there. Like it takes me an hour and a half to cross your border. First of all, USA, USA, USA. Secondly, there's a, a go check out this Don't Tell Comedy bit. It's from an English comedian. He made a great bit about Fahrenheit versus Celsius. Celsius is stupid. And like he said, I'm not stealing his joke. Go watch it. I forget his name. But he's from England. And he said, 100 degrees, 100% hot. Right? 50 degrees, 50% hot. Perfect. Okay? Just like, uh, uh, what is it? He said something else, like 100. Uh, but anyway, it makes sense, okay? You live That's in California. You don't have to deal with the freezing. That's the whole thing. Like, this, you can get away with this. But I know when it's zero degrees Celsius, things freeze. 100 miles per hour, 100% fast. 50 miles an hour, 50% fast. Anything over 100 miles an hour, too fast. That's how it works. 100. That's the cutoff. That's how it That's works. A hundred cents a dollar. It's like the price is right. What's so hard about that? What's wrong with you people? USA, USA, <laughs> USA. How many liters are in a gallon, sir? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. That was the best. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah, this was uh, this is a classic one. I really uh, enjoyed it so so much. All right, Sammy K, which sketch do you want to talk about? Yeah, so uh, I want to talk about a Halloween sketch because, you know, this is our Halloween um, episode of the show this season. I want to talk about the Fran Drescher SAG president sketch. Uh, really nice to see a Sarah showcase piece that's not a 10 to 1 and not just something on update, which I know we get later on in this episode, but, um, you know, something that's very relevant, uh, everything going on with the, the SAG strike. Um, I mean, this is like something that is. You know, I've some, I, something I've talked with my friends, like I have a friend who's a, an actress and just, you know, the fact that SAG actually, you know, put this out there that they didn't want people in the union, you know, dr dressing up as like IP characters. It's, it is like a funny concept. So the fact that it's something that's incredibly inside baseball, I feel like, like I'd be curious if, if I were to ask my mom or my dad if they enjoyed the sketch or kind of got what was going on. Like they, they know that there's a strike going on, but they probably don't know that deep of a cut. Maybe it doesn't play to everybody that well, but I think Sarah is just super endearing as, you know, the Fran Drescher character. Like it's not like the most amazing impression ever, but I think she, it's like she, she, you know, does a good job presenting it, 
you know, presenting Fran Drescher as, you know, the character in the sketch. Um, the child actors that pop up throughout are so like adorable. Like they're, they're all like really good, especially, um, the Hoda Kotb, um, actress, uh, you know, saying that, uh, the, the wig is fake, but the wine is real. Like I thought that was such like a, a cute line delivery and kind of like the back and forth they have between, you know, this kind of couple character, uh, played by Nate and Ego. Um, you know, I thought as like supporting players, they were uh, really good as well. Um, you know, we have some of that sort of classic Sarah Sherman roasting somebody uh, in a sketch or at the update desk this time with Nate, you know, saying that he looks like Sloth from the Goonies or he looks like the Kevin Bacon, like pedophile character from this really obscure movie. Um, I thought those really worked well. And then, you know, you see this a lot on update over recent years where they, you know, kind of, you know, do something that's in the news and, you know, kind of end it with kind of like a sincere or kind of educational sort of button. And I thought that it really worked, you know, well here, you know, in a sketch format too, where they like kind of have that Kit Kat bar analogy as, you know, to, you know, what the studios are kind of doing and, um, and everything like that. I thought, you know, it stayed on theme and, you know, you probably, you know, didn't necessarily need to keep going with like, we're going to bring out the, you know, um, you know, girl dresses the nanny. Like I see why they did that, but you know, maybe you know, you, you kind of have a strong point there to end with the Kit Kat bar thing. But overall, I felt like it was just a great sort of Sarah Sherman showcase. And you know, this is a, I think, a good Halloween sketch. Which because it's so topical, you're probably not going to see in like a best of Halloween special because people are not going to understand like what's going on with you know with this uh, you know situation. But I I, I really enjoyed it. So interesting, your take on this, because I know, Sammy, you didn't listen to the Hot Take Show yet, but on the Hot Take Show on Saturday, Haskell and Andrew Dick were like really getting into the nitty gritty of like, what does the sketch mean? And like, what is SNL's, like, what is SNL trying to say here with this sketch? And for me, like, I'm, I was probably more on the side of like, they're not really trying to say anything beyond the fact that like, some things in life are ridiculous, even in more serious times. And like, we could sort of like poke fun at the holes of like, yes, we are like pro union, but like sometimes like we could be hypocrites. And like, they're just like, you know, there, there are things there that I think they were touching on and it was probably more lighthearted than maybe some people took it. Um, but I'm curious from Zoe and from Sean, what you both thought of this. So Zoe, let me ask you first, what do you think of trick or treat? I thought it was a fun way to address the strike. Um, I have a question. Have we seen a lot of Sarah? doing impressions of real people? That is a very good question. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I know that she did, like my favorite impression that she did was the Charles Schumer impression that she did last, uh, was it last season at the beginning of the season? Yeah. So she done, okay, here's the four. Uh, so Fran Drescher now, Charles Schumer, Joy Behar she did in a view sketch and she did Wolf Blitzer. Okay. So that makes sense why this was the first one that like rung a bell in my mind. Like, oh, this is Sarah being somebody else because um, it's someone I grew up with and know and love. Um, I thought it was the best way to talk about the strike. And I mean, I love Hoda. So if I was going to go trick-or-treating as any of those options, I would want to be drunk Hoda. So um, I thought it was a good sketch. Um, the kids were cute. And um, it was nice to see Nate and Ego being supportive. Um, I would have loved to see Echo be more of a star this episode, but it was great. Yeah, look, I, I don't know. For me, 
I, I liked the sketch. Like it was okay, but it really paled in comparison to everything that came before it, which was to me was really, really high quality. And like when I see Sarah Sherman on stage, like she has set the expectation for herself that she is going to just deliver something really like mind boggling, you know, potentially where it's going to like, could be like against conventional wisdom and, you know, just the straight impression of a Fran Drescher, which I think was fun at times. And like, there was like, they were poking fun at the strike. Like, like for me, it just like, I just like wanted more from this sketch probably. Sean, what did you think of it? And I say this with all due respect as a card carrying SAG member since 2014, that sketch was, but, and I'm going to tell you why I think it was, but okay. Like B-U-T-T, I know that's not the most eloquent way to say it, but first of all, that's the Halloween sketch? That's the only Halloween sketch I get? Was that? Okay. Her impression didn't matter. Well, the, the Hallmark pre-tape was like... And the Halloween cold sketch. open was Halloween. What? Theme. Oh, because he's hanging decorations and Christopher R. Whatever. Okay. What about the Hallmark one? The Hallmark... Oh, my God. Anyway... That was that was so awful. We're not talking. We didn't. Nobody picked that sketch for a reason. Nobody picked that sketch. All right. But anyway, um, why would she want to be with a guy that's gonna kill her? That sketch was anyway. There still needs to be logical sense in sketches. But whatever. The Fran Drescher one. Here's the thing about SAG, right? And why they should have, like you said, John. They were clearly pulling back. They didn't want to be nasty because they got their waiver to do their show. So they didn't want to say anything too incendiary, even though it was a stupid, a stupid uh, indictment from, from um, Fran Drescher as the president of SAG to say something like that. So dumb. Secondly, they charge. I've been paying dues since the, through the pandemic. Nobody's working. SAG came back and got their dues every year. Whether you work or not as an actor, you're paying SAG dues. So as much as they try to seem like, Oh, they're all for the little people and all this bullshit. They needed to tear SAG up in that sketch, okay? Then, but I know they didn't want to do it because there's a lot to do with the, them getting their waivers. Certain shows get waivers and stuff. So it's very businessy. Uh, if you're going to do it, go for it, right? Talk about how stupid that idea is. Talk about how Fran Drescher sucks. I voted for her because I like the nanny. Good show. She's a good actress. But... They're getting their ass toe up in these negotiations. A lot of people ain't working, right? Sean, and why don't you run for head still, of the union? Yeah, yeah. But no, I, I still owe a little money, actually. Don't check my dues. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little behind in dues. They, they, but they just don't send you uh, screeners uh, when you're behind in dues. Uh, so I haven't got my screeners for a couple of years. But I'm, uh, so my next SAG, I'm going to pay y'all. So don't, don't check out my stuff. I think I just brought attention on me unwantedly. And, uh, but anyway. Point being, I thought the sketch, the game was so one note, uh, figuring out, okay, yeah, I mean, once we know the information and we assume it to be fact, because even I didn't know that, I didn't know anything about them having a mandate against uh, costumes and stuff, but then the, then the note is just played over and over again. I guess they were trying to use um, the, the jokes, the two of the jokes against uh, Nate's character were the same. The last two were both him being a pervert. It's like, okay, at least change it. Um, but anyway, but, but no, I mean, I get that they were, you know, they, I don't know who wrote it, but, you know, I want to be on the show someday, so let me not. It's just one sketch. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm sorry, SAG. I'm sorry whoever wrote that. I'm sorry, SNL. I'm sorry, John. I know you, you're an industry man, okay? They bought you, 
Okay, I remember when this show was really underground. When you could say what you wanted. But John's going to cuss me out. He's going to threaten my family because I criticized this show and I criticized that sketch. But I thought it was butt. <laughs> well, I, I didn't think it was butt, but I didn't think it was like amazing either. And I, I do think that, like I said, I think that if maybe she got like a little bit wackier with the impression as opposed to just like being um, like, I think th my favorite line that she gave a clip, this one, I th I think this was really good from Sarah. Hey, did you just call me exhausting? No. Well, a lot of people have. And then she like held it for a while in silence. And I think that was the best part. And I think that something that clicked with me just as we're discussing the details of this sketch is like, Sammy, you brought up the idea of like, this is something you may have seen on update. Like if Sarah had done Fran Drescher on update, I think maybe it hits more because at least it's coming like it, it's more centered around a, like, okay, yeah, Fran Drescher is coming out. They can write it in a way that's like more centered on like making fun of both sides and like may, having her make fun of herself. But I, I do think despite how great the kids were in this and some of the lines were really funny, I do think that the reason the sketch became so polarizing is because there was just like no one really saw the through line. Like no one really understood what exactly what they were trying to do here. And had this been on update, I think maybe it would have worked better. My two cents on it. Um, okay, I want to talk about the airplane sketch. And I really want to get uh, Sean's opinion on it. Because I think that this was just a great, great sketch from a stand-up perspective as well. Where you have the joke of really the woman's pregnant and she needs a doctor. But it devolves into what is truly the second best job. And uh, there's so many different examples of things that people say. But truly just um, Andrew at the end of the sketch summarized my love for it for me. So here's Andrew. There is no doctor, okay? So the best thing for your wife right now is we figure out what the second best job is. He was so great in this one. And uh, this was a really, really fun bit piece that they did. And I think, again, just a great, great sketch from the night. Sean, what did you think of the airplane sketch? Yeah, again, it felt like, um, again, a good, great sketch. I thought, like you said, it, it's, I think it could have been more sketch and less stand-up. It felt just like a stand-up bit. Like it could literally um, played that way, like without the moving pieces of, of characters and sets and all that type of stuff. Like just the little information was just coming out in um in rhythmic form, so it was good. Again, it's a Halloween episode. Oh, whatever. You know, you could have did that sketch whenever. Um, and it was, but it was fun. Um, so that's my overall critique of the show. Just not enough. Uh, then seeming to it, it did feel like, a, like it was written for a Nate type. Uh, you know, for that type of show and stuff. But it was very uh fun to watch. It was, True, and I suppose I, I definitely, uh, you know, engineer. You can't. No way, man. It's got to be Doctor Lawyer. Everybody, every song, Doctor Lawyer. Those are the jobs, you know. Pilot. Yeah. I thought the what? the button was gonna be the plane was going out. That would've been so stupid. And I, I'm glad that they made fun of that idea of a button. They're like, that that was very good line. The way Mikey delivered it, like when you're like, is that gonna be the button that the plane is going down because the pilot's been shitting? Uh, but of course, it's on autopilot. So yeah, nobody. And oh, and then you lose a little bit. So just please iron this out for me, John. Is it being the yeah, best yeah. job because it's easy, or what makes it? What What is the qualifications for it being the best job? Because the is it that it's the second hardest job to get, or 
I didn't, I well, didn't I, quite understand. I think that's the joke, right? Is that like there's no clear definition of what the best job is and that people for generations will sit around a table debating this exact same thing and it's happening at a moment of crisis up in the air and they're able mm. to just choose different moments to have people come in and say different lines. So I think that's the beauty of the sketch is that there is no answer to the question. Um, so that's the oh, fun of it. I've never yeah, heard that debate. But I, I just... Sorry. Yeah, but I think it's good. And we're going to continue to have that debate in just a second. But I know that Sean uh, has to go trick-or-treating. So, oh, yeah. Sean, we will yes. see you. Yes, I love you guys. Be... I love that single network. Yes. November 20th. Yes, we'll see you back on the roundtable for one of the next uh, shows. So, Sean, have a have a great see set tonight. Zoe. We'll, we'll see you soon. And we're going to continue the show with Sammy and Zoe uh, over here to, to break down this sketch. So, as we say goodbye to Sean tonight. But, Sammy, let me head over to you for your thoughts on what we saw tonight from the airplane sketch. Uh, I enjoyed this a lot, mainly because you have, you know, it, I, it's, it's, an, it's an ensemble piece, but you do have Dismukes in a uh, pretty major role, which I always like to see. Um, just every time, you know, he's like just trying to rally everybody together and he's like, well, what we're trying to figure out what the second best job is. We're trying to help you. Like um, the, the fact that he's like, they're trying to answer this question because they think it's going to help the Chloe Fireman character, you know, deliver their baby. I think that's like really funny. Um, Sammy, you know what this reminded me of a little bit, by the way, as yeah. you're talking is like, yeah. it reminded me like of a Tim Robinson sketch in a way, like sort of okay. like him, like him being at like the house party where they were like, uh, like, don't let me talk about my kids. Like, and then he just gets like so obsessed <laughs> with the idea. Like, yeah. That's, that's the style of something like this where they just get so obsessed with something else. It's like, where they're trying to figure out what the second best job is that everything else doesn't matter. And I feel like that mm -hmm. is so like a Tim Robinson thing. That that's a great point. Another thing this reminded me of that is not Tim Robinson or SNL related more so like just the idea of like arguing over such like a really dumb sort of topic. I, I guess like this example is dumber, but uh, the episode of the office where they're debating whether or not Hillary Swank is hot or not. Uh, just like the, like the, the way that people like kind of just like, are in it almost feels like they're like back in like a classroom just like having like a dumb debate like even like the, the part where Heidi like you know rolls up the piece of paper and flip and throws it at Chloe Trost's uh teacher character because she thinks being a teacher uh is the best job um yeah no just like a, a lot of a lot of good elements to this um and I feel like it, it ends a bit abruptly but I also kind of like how they just have Dave Grohl pop up again and he's like, oh, this is my Halloween costume, which if Sean was still here, I would have told him that does make it a Halloween sketch because Dave Grohl's uh, uh, character is dressed up as a doctor. So, you know, uh, it's uh, unfortunately, hopefully he listens to this episode and then he'll he'll be able to get that uh, piece of information. But. Yeah, future Sean, you gotta you gotta stay and listen to the rest of the show. But uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I I think there was so many fun things, including that teacher moment, and uh, we happen to have Boo, a teacher, on the show with us tonight. So Zoe, what did you think of the airplane sketch? Um, I took the booze personally, but I thought it was funny and goofy. Um, what I noticed is Andrew. It was like all about Andrew, and it felt to have a similar thread to the beach sketch from the pete davidson episode where he was like irrationally angry about not getting his picture i wonder if we're going to see more sketches with andrew getting rash angry or passionate about like really stupid things um during moments of crisis like it felt like a similar setup but it was funny 
I actually would love that. Like I, I, I said in the beach sketch, I think that Andrew nailed something with like the types of things he needs to do on the show. And it's not going to happen every week. Like he had a very slow week number two. But if it's every couple episodes that we get a really good Andrew sketch, and I wouldn't necessarily say this is an Andrew sketch, but I do know that he helped write it. So like, to me, this is probably like from his brain a little bit. Um, and yeah, I, I think, and Ken, I think in the chat said something that I really loved, which was uh, Ken says that he appreciated that this did not have a turn of everyone reacting to a specific wacky character. And it was more like people popping in and out to like say something. And just a few of those examples here, like I think Bowen, um, who has had some interesting sketches to start the season, but really probably like hasn't found his stride yet. I think was so, so funny in this when he did this. I'm a kind of doctor. <laughs> no, 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 not you. Okay. So good for a quick laugh. Um, I also think that this part with Heidi, and I'll say like Heidi and Nate here, because I think Nate really, really delivers on this line, but we talked about teachers, but how about uh, mothers? I am a mother. <gasps> Okay, but in terms of real stuff, <laughs> like the way that he let that, like sometimes letting things breathe on SNL really works where you leave that space for a second. So they clap, they let there be space. And then Nate like turns to the camera and he's like, okay, let's pretend that didn't happen <laughs> and let's move on to something else. And I don't think every host can get away with that. Like that's the timing of a stand-up comic who like understands timing and rhythm and jokes. And like, that is the beauty of what we're discussing in this episode of the round table, why this episode really, really clicks. So uh, for me, this was as great as the Washington sketch was. Uh, and I, I still think probably like uh, if I had to, you know, go, go back and say like, which one was the best one, I probably would say that one, but this one was so, so good that I didn't want it to be overshadowed by what came before it. Uh, Cause this episode was full of bangers. All right. Speaking of the episode, Zoe, is there anything else for you from the episode that we didn't talk about yet that you want to make sure we cover? I can't say there is. All right. Sammy, what about you? Anything else from the episode you, we didn't talk about tonight that you want to talk about? Ooh. Um, I, you know, just going back to Dismukes, um, you know, drinking on a lake beach. That was a really fun pre-tape. So um, it's such a catchy song. Um, and, you know, this is something that, um, you know, stars Dismukes and JJ, who I feel like we've heard, you know, they've been collaborating a lot more. I know, you know, last year they, um, you know, had some work together on the show. So it was exciting to see that duo kind of come back. Um, and that was the first time we saw Dave Grohl show up in the episode. And I uh, thought that was another great cameo from him. Like I thought both of his cameos were very solid and fun. Um, and uh, the kind of ending button on that sketch where they're all at church, uh, really worked for me so uh the song is catchy and uh yeah i enjoyed it i thought it was fun i mean just that it felt like really different we don't usually get country stuff on there by the way if you're a country music fan uh, on the rewatch i noticed like how much nate bargetsy looked like eric church like so so much uh their uh, famous country music artist but like yeah i thought this was fun with with all the <laughs> with all of the references um and yeah it was just it was good and so so catchy like like down down on the right beach. that's been stuck in my head for like two days so uh sorry to everybody but yeah it was just it was so good uh and a huge win for the show so i'm happy about that so that that was really fun uh and just like a great uh sketch that i think like helped solidify this episode 
uh, in between a couple of other really good sketches. And the uh, the other thing, I, I mean, I, we just can't not talk about this moment from the episode, which was, uh, to me, pure, pure fan service. And I love whoever from SNL was like, this has to happen. Uh, thank you for making this moment happen. Ladies and gentlemen, Foo Fighters. <laughs> just the 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 greatest one of the greatest uh moments in the snl introducing snl host introducing the musical guests just to have that come so back sound, you know so good really good and uh you know there's that twitter page that posts all of those uh snl musical guest intros so i'm excited to see them uh post this in a couple of years and i'll be like oh yeah remember when that happened that was great yeah yeah, for sure. The last time that ha- last time that he did that, I was it was twenty years ago, I believe. So uh, it was just so much fun to get them to do that. I'm glad that walking was game for something like that as well. All right, so uh, we talked about this episode. We have to talk about MVP predictions and uh, voting from the audience. So every Monday we put out a poll on Twitter and on Instagram asking you what you know who you think dominated this episode who was the mvp could be the host musical guest any cameo um any cast member as well so let me give you the stats from this episode so we can give you the candidates um mikey day dominated the night again five sketches in this episode heidi was in three jj did a couple of voiceovers and two sketches but really just even across the board two sketches for uh keenan ego chloe bowen punky andrew sarah and then of the feature players, Devin was in four sketches. So big night for Devin as a feature player. Two sketches from Mikey Long's. Only one sketch from Marcelo after his big week two. He took home the MVP last week. Uh, Molly Carney, one sketch. And Chloe Trost, only one sketch. Uh, Chloe's, I would say, probably weakest night on the show so far as a cast member, but it's fairly early on, so bound to happen. Uh, but yeah, and then, and of course, uh, PDD. And we get uh, Padma, Christopher Walken, Dave Roll as guest appearances as well. So amazing to have the Foo Fighters back again, who were supposed to be the musical guess for the finale last year so zoe sammy i'm gonna ask you who you think the top three vote getters were for mvp this week on the show zoe starting with you okay um mikey um andrew sarah mikey tell us why um mikey because of the biden thing and being in so much of it and sarah i think i don't know not everyone loved it polarizing sketch but her as Fran Drescher, I thought that was cool. And everyone loves Sarah. Um, and then Andrew, I think Lake Beach and the airplane. I think he gave some pretty good performances. All right, Sammy, who's your top three for the week? Okay. Uh, number one, I got to go Nate Bargetzi. Um, just very much impressed me as a host. Um, and would, you know, would love to see him come back. I think they really utilized him well. And he was able to really you know, deliver in a lot of sketches. Uh, number two, I'm putting Mikey in there, you know, just continuing to have such a, a great um, run here going in from, you know, last season to where we thought, you know, should he have left with, you know, his contemporaries? And now he's just like doing really well and it's exciting to see. And, you know, having him as Biden, you know, if it sticks through, uh, you know, 2024, like that's going to be huge for him. Um, and then number three, you got to go with Christopher Walken, you know, being able to you know, come back to SNL after so many years, um, you know, he appears uh, in the cold open and then he is uh, introducing the Foo Fighters. Um, so I think uh, that those are my three. All right. Well, let's see if either of you were right with the voting. And here are your results for week three of the MVP of season 49. And that would be the winner 
coming up on screen is Nate Bargetzi. There you go. Yeah, he just came in and impressed 43% of the vote. Such a dominant week for Nate. I could definitely see him coming back and hosting the show in the future. He probably went from someone who was more obscure to somebody who will be more celebrated as a host of the show. And uh, I, I think he left his stamp on there. So great job for Nate. Then Dave Grohl actually came in second place. So Dave was in a couple sketches, including Lake Beach and the airplane sketch in addition to performing. And uh, I know people uh, love Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters, the Foo Fighters. So great to have him there at 14%. Number two, Christopher Walken, number three. Uh, I would say like, like, yeah, I guess like it was cool to have him there. He had some really good moments, but uh, I do have to credit Mikey Day who comes in fourth place here at 10% who I just, again, had such a good night week after week. He's been writing really well, performing really well on the show was given the presidential impression. Like this is like, is it, this might be Mikey Day show. Like he might be the star of SNL right now. And like, that's, that's crazy to think about. Uh, and then Sarah Sherman uh, with her update pieces, uh, JJ Gord, uh, JJ Cooper, excuse me, uh, Colin's agent. And then, uh, and also what she did with the Fran Drescher comes in fifth place with 8%. So uh, very, very interesting results here for week number three. And we will close the book on the discussion tonight of week number three and turn to week number four with host Timothy Chalamet and musical guest Boy Genius. And that will be happening in two weeks from now. There'll be one week off before we come back. And Timothy Chalamet, I mean, this is interesting because I didn't necessarily expect that they would have somebody who has like some big movies coming out and is such a huge star hosting the show, given what's happening with the SAG strike. But here we go. Second time hosting Saturday Night Live, the first time was back in the SNL stats days during season 46 of the show. It was December of 2020. We got to cover that episode here. It was still very much like COVID times. And uh, it was really interesting to get to talk about that show. And, and I'm excited to have him back on the show this time. So Sammy, what do you think about Timothy Chalamet coming in for his second hosting appearance? I'm super excited. Uh, I think, you know, like you said, that was right when we first started covering the show. I think that was one of my favorite episodes from that season. I thought he was a great host. Um, he's one of my favorite, like, kind of up and coming. I mean, he's not up and coming at this point, but he's one of my favorite, you know, current young movie stars. Um, and I think when he's, you know, given the opportunity to be funny in things, you know, like in Lady Bird, uh, he can really deliver. Um, and he had like a pretty big viral moment uh, with like the Yeet sketch he did with Pete Davidson when he hosted, and Tiny Horse, I think, went kind of viral too. So um, I just think. It's exciting to see him come back. You know, Nate Bargetzi, we're talking about how you know we want to see him come back. I'm, you know, we're kind of at this point where with this new era where it's, you know, who are the hosts that are kind of gonna be associated with this new era of the show? Um, and you know, that it requires people to like come back. I know we've had a lot of, you know, first time hosts um over the last couple of years. So seeing Timothy Chalamet come come back uh really excites me. And uh, you know, I I think he'll deliver. What I'm most interested in is honestly just that the show is like so different in season 49 than it was in season 46. It was only three seasons ago, but it was like a whole new writing team since then. Most of the cast members are not there. Like really, it was the Timothy and Pete show that night. It's just like this is the stuff that fascinates me the most because as much as we enjoyed Mulaney coming back year after year or, um, you know, I love Timberlake in his era. But like for me, it was like 
I, I do like seeing hosts come back at different stages, different eras of the show and seeing how they click with new cast members. And I think that's the exciting part where we had a really strong first time host. And for the second time, he's going to come back and be with all these new cast members. And I don't know who it will be that will be the Pete Davidson of the week with Timothy Chalamet this time. So I'm excited for it. Zoe, what are your thoughts on Timothy hosting in a couple weeks from now? I'm ex- I'm so excited for Timothy. Um, I've been a fan of his for years and years. Um, I love the last episode that he was on, and I think it would be cool to see him with like the PBE boys, um, PDD boys. I think that would be cool. I don't know, they weren't there when he was there, so I think it. I think they could vibe. I think that would be fun. Um, and I'm excited for Boy Genius. I'm a huge Boy Genius fan. I saw them at the beginning of the month, so I'm just. I think that's going to be a great show. Yeah, I think a lot of people are very, very excited for this one. And I think season 49 has been really, really fun, capped off with uh, this end of this run with an amazing episode. So I cannot wait to see what we're going to get. We're going to get two episodes in November. So the Timothy Chalamet one and then one after that. And then we'll break and believe it or not, we'll be already at December as we start to look towards the end of the year and talk about the first half of the SNL season. So this was a great roundtable with all of you, including Sean. And it was just so much fun to break down this amazing episode of Saturday Night Live. So thank you for being here. Zoe, where can listeners check you out? They they can't, um, <laughs> but I love them. <laughs> yeah, Zoe Zoe's on social media, but prefers her friends to find her. But we, you can see her on the show because she is a great analy- analyst and I'm looking forward to uh, to having you back later on the season, Zoe. So thanks for your time tonight. Uh, Sammy K, I know your, your DMs are open, so tell the listeners where they can find you wide open um <laughs> you, you guys can find me uh at that sammy k on twitter instagram and tiktok uh i also made a, another instagram account for some reason at sammy just okay uh gonna be starting to post some other stuff on there but we'll, we'll see about that and then uh obviously the super fan takeovers um you know those are a lot of fun we have a lot of those uh most recently we've done the uh draft uh you know the season 49 draft with the cast draft so that that's a lot of fun if you want to follow along with us uh and you know see how everybody's teams are doing uh and then also i you just had me on the uh, greatest cast members of all time count countdown uh where i got to talk about tim meadows vanessa bayer and bill murray so but so definitely you know check that out if you haven't had a chance spoiler <laughs> warning sammy but yeah oh yeah. come on you gotta you gotta ca- you gotta catch up at this point come on you gotta catch up everyone catch up yeah, I guess. But that was a fun show. If you could still, even if you uh, didn't know, you could definitely go back and listen to that because we had some really, really good debates about that one. So, uh, but yeah, speaking of what else is happening this week is uh, first, by the numbers, on Wednesday, where you're going to have Mike and Victoria and Andrew Haynes will be on with them as a special guest to break down the screen time from this episode, talk through everything, uh, all the numbers, and wrap up the first uh, cycle of SNL from season 49. Then Thursday, I'll be back to reveal three more cast members. I'm not going to be like Sammy and spoil them for you now, but you'll have to watch on Thursday at 8 o'clock to to see who the next three cast members are on the list of the greatest cast members of all time. And then next Monday night in this roundtable spot, we're going to have, we're bringing back a show from last year that we haven't seen so far on the schedule, and that is our patron feedback show where you, the listener, will have an opportunity to send us in some questions. And we're going to bring in all of our patrons who want to call in. We have some paid subscribers. You could 
join the Patreon program at patreon.com slash the SNL network, and they will come join us for uh, different periods of a time. And we'll answer some questions about the show and start to look ahead. And it's a really, really fun question and answer show that I think you'll enjoy if you're a big SNL fan. So that will be uh, next Monday night and hopefully some more goodies around the corner as well, including some interviews and stuff like that as we start to look towards the end of the year. So just want to thank all the uh, listeners for joining us on this great Monday night, Zoe and Sammy as well. And of course, Sean Grant. My name is John Schneider from the Saturday Night Network, and we will see you next time, everybody. Have a good one.